With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. New Orleans sports talk about your favorite teams. Sports 1280. Well, we're we're kind of moving some roster spots around. And I think a lot of it had more to do with the bigger picture with how we want to go into this game. You know, we thought he had a good training camp for us and, and yet... One of the challenges, especially early in the, the season, is is trying to fit all the right pieces in place relative to your active roster and your practice squad, and so that 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 was really uh, ultimately ultimately the main thing. He's developed, and, and I'm sure is going to continue to. I was Sean Payton about 45 minutes ago on his Thursday morning conference call, addressing. Cutting Boston Scott yesterday, leaving him only with two running backs on the roster. Again, another move can be made before Sunday, but an unusual spot. And the guy who asked that question on the conference call is our buddy Josh Katzenstein, NOLA.com. He joins us now. Josh, what's going on, man? Not too much. How are you doing, Chris? Doing good. So, look, an unusual move to say the least. Uh, we saw yesterday the Saints were signing Michael Ola, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of you guys said, "Well, we'll see what the corresponding move is." And I think a lot of us were shocked when we saw the corresponding move. The Saints wave Boston Scott, leaving them only with two active running backs: one in Alvin Kamara, who we know is the starter, but two is Mike Gillisley, who was just signed on Sunday. He's been here less than a week, and those are the only two active running backs on the roster. It's uh, an unusual spot. Yeah, certainly, and uh, I think well, part of it is just a reminder that we can't read too much into the preseason. I mean, we all thought Boston Scott looked really good, but I mean, you have to remember, you know, most of the impact that he made was against the backups or guys that probably got cut on other teams. So clearly, you know, even though we, you know, thought he looked like he had potential to make an immediate impact, obviously the Saints, you know, weren't as enamored with us. With uh, with Boston Scott as as we were, um, and certainly I would expect them to add another running back by Sunday, just because you know as Peyton said, you know it's a possibility that they add one, and um, they've never gone into a game with two running backs. So uh, whether it's promoting Jonathan Williams or Dwayne Washington, who they added to the practice squad, who used to play for the Lions, uh, or signing somebody else, you know I certainly expect there to be another move made but but still it's uh it's pretty shocking to think that you know Mike Gillisley is going to come in here and have a big role right away yeah it's, it's just odd I mean like we said and Mike Gillisley's a veteran he's been around a while but guy's been here less than a week he's got to learn the playbook he's got to learn all the terminology and that's the guy they're going to lean on as their primary backup just seems very unusual and like you said if they sign somebody else well great it's even less time for that guy to get in and learn everything as the third string guy so uh i mean to me the obvious move here josh would seem like they'd promote jonathan williams from the practice squad yeah that's definitely the obvious move but i think you know the one thing that we also have to consider is that uh, maybe this is a game where they just want to pass the ball a lot. And right. <laughs> if you look at uh, you know Tampa's defensive line, uh, assuming Vita Vey plays their you know first round pick, uh, the rookie defensive tackle, 
I would think that this defensive line looks incredibly stout for the Bucks. So maybe the Saints don't want to run the ball that much in this game. And, you know, obviously a good defensive line presents challenges, you know, to the pass rush as well. But um, I think, you know, with all the talk about how the Saints don't want to overwork Alvin Kamara and everything was offseason, I think, you know, it's sort of trending in the direction that this will be a, a Drew Brees game more so than a, a running game. Well, that's what I, and I kind of joked about it last segment, but I think you make a good point because Peyton's quote there when he says a lot of it had to do with the bigger picture for what we're trying to do for this game, and I'm with you. Jason Pierre-Paul, Vinny Curry, Gerald McCoy, maybe he's looking at it and going, you know what, we're just going to go pass heavy, and the fact that they kept six wide receivers and keep it Tommy Lewis and Austin Carr, maybe he leans in that direction. Yeah, I would certainly think, you know, I, I would be shocked if all six wide receivers are active. I would think that, you know, obviously you would you would initially think that it'll be Austin Carr or Tommy Lee Lewis that's inactive, but I think there's also an outside chance that, you know, maybe they want to give Cameron Meredith another week to prepare. Meredith practiced fully yesterday and said he feels good, but um, I would think that one of those three guys will be inactive just because I don't know that any of them really, you know, are, are – uh, integral uh, special teams guys. So I'm really curious. This is about as curious as I've been to see the, uh, you know, inactive seven players before the game. So help me out. I've been trying to watch the uh, waiver wire and all that yesterday and then uh, looking at corresponding moves today. Nobody claimed Boston Scott. Is that right? No, it's uh, it won't go through until tomorrow because he was officially cut uh, yesterday afternoon, so there's a 24-hour period. So if he does get claimed, we'll find out this afternoon. Is there any chance if he goes unclaimed, I mean, could the Saints just bring him back, let's say, after the game Sunday and say, hey, look, this was our plan all along? Well, I mean, they could bring him back as, as quickly as they want. I mean, they could, you know, either sign him to the practice squad if he goes unclaimed. They could sign him back to the active roster on Saturday if he goes unclaimed. They, they could do it at any point they want. Um but, you know, as uh, as we have to remember, the fact that they're even subject- subjecting him to waivers means that they're willing to move on from him. So, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that he'll be back in any capacity. Let's talk a little bit about the game plan for uh, for this weekend. Obviously, Tampa Bay coming in, it's a different quarterback. Uh, no Jameis Winston, but Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I've been cautioning everybody all week. I mean, everybody wants to buy into this, oh, easy win, oh, the line is up from seven to nine points and all this. Ryan Fitzpatrick is still a really good passer, and, and he's a guy who can make some plays with his arm, and Saints could very well find themselves on the losing end uh, if they're not careful on Sunday. Talk a little bit about the matchup and, and, and how you see this one playing out. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a lot tougher than some people expect. I mean, I certainly think on paper the Saints are a lot more talented, but, you know, the as they always say, the paper doesn't play on Sundays. So um, I, I think they definitely have to be wary of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's certainly not a top-end quarterback in the NFL, but, I mean, he's definitely a guy who has experience winning games. And I think if you look, you know, the, the defense is probably the strength for the Bucks. So if it becomes a game where, you know, the Saints have a couple turnovers or something, all of a sudden, I mean, this is going to be, you know, a game that's within reach for the Bucks. I definitely think the Saints will still win. But, I mean, you think about, you know, the fact they haven't won a season opener since 2013, um, questions about now the running game, the receivers, the linebackers. Uh, this is definitely not going to be the easy victory that I think a lot of people expected when uh, – uh, the schedule came out initially. 
Uh, the corresponding move uh, that we didn't even touch on, the, the guy that they signed, Michael Ola, yesterday, obviously with some reserve offensive linemen, Jermon Bushrod, Josh Laribas, Cameron Tom, uh, Will Clapp was a nice surprise that, that he made the 53-man, and then Rick Leonard uh, being signed to the practice squad. Um, I know you put out the report yesterday, Andrus Peep did not practice Wednesday. It sounds like um, they're preparing for him not to play Sunday. Who would be the uh, the, the who would start in his place? You think on uh, on Sunday if Andrus Pete does not go? I would think it's Josh Larivius, um, just because he has you know a, a full year of experience from last year in the Saints offense. He played you know in some spot duty when there was you know injuries uh, last season, and I, I think they're pretty comfortable with him. It, it seemed to me like you know he played well enough to make the fifty three man roster, but they knew that uh, you know they could re sign him immediately and and because he's a vested veteran by cutting him they you know didn't have to guarantee his salary for the season which they would have had he made the 53-man roster so i think uh you know they actually do like loribius a lot don't read into the fact that you know he didn't make the initial 53 so that would be my expectation i mean i suppose it could be jermon bushrod but he's been working mostly at tackle um, could be Will Clapp or Cameron Tom, um, or, or even Michael Ola, who, who had a pretty good camp too. But um, just because of the experience, I think it'll be Laribius. Uh, defensive line, we'd expect Cam Jordan, Alex Okafor to be out there, um, Sheldon Rankins, Tyler Davison, and then uh, behind those guys, Anya Mata, Trey Hendrickson probably will get some time. Uh, expectations for Marcus Davenport. We know he was slowed a bit throughout uh, training camp of the preseason. Uh, the little that we saw him looked pretty good at times. Uh, expectations for him this week? So I would expect him to probably play like maybe 15 snaps, um, and that's just a guess, you know, obviously. But I think, you know, until he proves in games that he can be trusted with a bigger role, I think you got to start him off, you know, with something small just to see how he handles it. And, you know, you, you think about, you know, there are some guys that have been able to overcome missing time in training camp, but I think, you know, they drafted him, you know, as a long-term solution at defensive end, so I don't think they're in any rush to put him in a situation where he, you know, could struggle. So I would think that, you know, him and Trey Hendrickson will probably be the, the two main backups, but there's certainly a, ch- a chance that, you know, if they don't like what they see from Davenport in practice this week, that Mitchell Laban could step in and have a role, um, and especially because Laban plays more special teams, I would expect him to be active, um, so maybe they'll, you know, mix in five guys and, uh, you know, Alex Okafor, you know, says he's healthy and, and has practiced fully, but uh, there, I would think that the Saints probably don't want him to play like 80% of the snaps just because, you know, they, they're more worried about him staying healthy for the whole year. Yeah, probably Okafor and Davenport both both on a pitch count, I guess you could say, uh, uh, limiting their number of snaps this weekend. Talking with uh, Josh Katzenstein, NOLA.com. I do love that piece you wrote over the summer, or rather maybe it was right around the draft time, when you talked about expectations for first-round edge rushers and, and how it really takes, for the majority of them, it takes till year two before we really see that impact. And so I thought that was a great way to kind of temper expectations for Davenport in year one, and especially coming out of a smaller school like UTSA, that it's just going to take some time with him. And look, if he makes some great plays this year, all the more better. But I think for, for most fans, you just kind of need to temper your expectations and say, hey, year two is when he's really going to start to blossom. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like sort of an imperfect storm with fans for Davenport, you know, because A, they go out and trade two first round picks to get him. And then B, you know, you had 
all these rookies making this incredible impact last year. So the expectations for fans for a first-round pick now are, are probably higher than they've ever been. But ultimately, I mean, most rookies struggle, um, you know, in their first year. So I think, you know, nobody should be surprised if it takes Davenport some time, like you said. Uh, in that piece that I did, um, I went back to 2010 and found that, uh, you know, there's only been three edge rushers as rookies that had double-digit sacks. So, I mean, obviously sacks aren't the only way to evaluate the impact of an edge rusher, but certainly I think, you know, a lot of people saw, you know, the way that they traded up to get him and thought, oh, great, he's going to be, you know, the next Cam Jordan or something. But, uh, you know, that might eventually be the case, but certainly as a rookie, I'm not expecting him to set the world on fire. Well, like I said, if he could even just disrupt some plays, not even the sacks, but you, know, you go back to that play with Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs, if he just had another body to disrupt and maybe that passes a little bit off, Keenum doesn't make that throw and uh, there's a different outcome in that game. Uh, a couple more for you here, Josh. Uh, the linebackers. I was a little surprised they said goodbye to Nate Stupar. I think it kind of speaks more to what they're going to do on special teams now with the new kickoff rules that maybe going smaller bodies, more receivers and DBs on special teams. Uh, but I was a little surprised they're, they're rolling into the season with only five linebackers. Well, so I'm I'm a little confused by the um, you know uproar uh, from people, and I'm not I'm not saying you are, Chris, but a lot of fans were like shocked that they. Uh, you know, shocked and upset that they cut Nate Stupar, whereas I remember, you know, the first few weeks of training camp, everyone's like, you know, looking at videos of him getting roasted by, you know, Camara or Ingram <laughs> in, in, in coverage, and, you know, everyone's saying that this guy stinks. So, um, you know, I think people just got really enamored with that fourth preseason game, right. and it's exactly like you said. This has more to do with special teams. Um, I think that, you know, there's some other guys on the team that they think, are probably faster. They might not be as instinctive or smart as Stupar, but they're definitely faster, which is going to be a big emphasis with these new kickoff rules. Um, so I don't think losing him is the end of the world. I think they already had – I mean, I think when training camp opened, they had their top five linebackers locked in. It would have taken a lot for Stupar to jump any of those guys. And I'm not saying that any of, um, you know, Demario Davis, A.J. Klein, Craig Robertson, Anzalone, or Manti Teo are, you know, the the best linebackers in the world, but uh, you know the Saints definitely trust those guys to play defense more so than they trust Stupar. Uh, whereas they keep five linebackers, they keep some extra DBs, and uh, you know we mentioned already JT Gray was a nice surprise that he made the team. But uh, what do you expect out of the secondary? Do you expect a lot more nickel uh, nickel and dime looks from the Dennis Allen defense this year? Obviously, they played a ton of nickel last year, but having those extra DBs in there, we know Lattimore and Crawley will, will, will start, but. You know, they signed Patrick Robinson this offseason. They end up keeping P.J. Williams. And then the two guys that I thought really just showed maturity and improvement throughout training camp in the preseason was Arthur Millette and Justin Hardy. Yeah, certainly. I, I definitely think there will be a lot of nickel. I'm not sure about dime. There were definitely some times last year where the Saints, you know, would have uh, six DBs on the field. But I think, you know, right now they, they still trust you know, having two linebackers out there more or, you know, at least four down linemen. Because, I mean, their defensive line looks like it could be pretty stout. So I think, you know, for 70, even 80% of the game, you'll see either Patrick Robinson on there when it's passing situations or Von Bell more when it's running situations, you know, because that, that's their big nickel. And, and Von Bell could be in in passing situations because he's probably their – I mean – 
he's definitely their best blitzing uh, defensive back, and he might be one of their best pass rushers, you know, across the whole defense. So I think, you know, those two guys, when it is nickel situations, which will be the majority of the time, you know, will sub, will we'll force a linebacker off the field. Um, and, and I think the depth is pretty strong. I think Arthur Millette was having a great camp before he suffered a little injury that held him out for a week or so. Um, so you have to think that, you know, he's, he's back and, and ready to contribute now if there's an injury. Um, I think Chris Banjo doesn't get talked about enough. He's obviously a special team star, but uh, I thought he looked pretty good last year when, uh, you know, there were some injuries and he had to get in the game. Josh Katzenstein, NOLA.com. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for the time, man, and uh, appreciate all you do. You do some tremendous work over at NOLA.com. Really good piece up on Drew Brees right now. I encourage everybody to go check it out. And, uh, hey, we'll see if they sign a third linebacker before Sunday, or a third running back before Sunday, all right? I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I have it. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Sounds good. Josh Katzenstein there, NOLA.com. Appreciate him uh, joining us. Like I said, does a tremendous job over there uh, the Times Picayune. Let's grab a quick break. We'll come back one more segment to go in hour number one. Sam Spiegelman, join us to- at the top of the hour. It's Chris Gordy Show. Back after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.